This tour saw our pioneering girl group take their unique blend of powerhouse vocals, electrifying choreography, and high fashion looks on the road, captivating audiences across North America. This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome back to Part of Us, an Invoke fan cast. We're excited to have you join us once again as we delve into this week's topic of discussion. Whether you're a returning listener or a first-timer, we appreciate your support and enthusiasm for this show. In this episode, we'll be discussing Invoke's iconic 1992 Funky Divas Tour. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be informed, entertained, and maybe even inspired. But before we get to that, we want to remind you that you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at InvoCraze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. And we always love hearing from our listeners and engaging with you. So don't be shy about dropping us a line and letting us know what's on your mind. Fire us off an email or send a voice message to Part of Us evf at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying Part of Us, please consider leaving us an Apple Podcast rating and review. All right, it's good to see you guys and connect with you again for another episode. Have you guys been doing anything exciting or interesting since we last spoke? I think you're the one who does all of the interesting stuff. I can just say that um, I'm still... Oh, I bought tickets to Invoke's concert with Charlie Wilson at the Hollywood Bowl. I used StubHub. So I'm a little worried, you know, I've never used that before. And so I think it's kind of like tentative because it's like a resale or something like that. But um, I'm excited to see them at the Hollywood Bowl. That's like, um, like I said in another episode, one of my favorite venues in Los Angeles. And so I've never seen them there. And I think the Hollywood Bowl, like they, there's theme night. So they're going to be on like a jazz Wednesday or something like that. So I'm hoping, you know, like they look jazzy, they get jazzy outfits like you know there's a budget for them to have you know like jewels and their hair done and just like you know nice maybe you know silk not get their hair done (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know because the last time they did it there was this event called the um it was a theme night several years ago it was called the black hollywood soundtrack and so they represented sparkle and did giving him something he can feel and so they actually had like Cindy and Terry, they had their hair pressed, you know, Rona had like her hair in like this braided crown. They had these coral gowns and jewelry. So I'm hoping it's along those lines and not just, you know, like a regular concert. Um, but that's as far as, you know, like music and involve, like that's the most interesting thing I've done since the last time we spoke. Ain't nothing new on this end. What I found that was interesting and trending was, did you see them mention Invoke on the Sherry Shepard show? No, I didn't. No. So, um, Maxine reposted it as well as um, Frank Gadsden. Yeah, so basically Sherry had, um, she was able to meet all of New Edition, all the all the members, including Johnny Gill. And then John Murray, who was like her EP, was like, yes. She was like, I want to meet more, you know, classic groups from the 90s. And John Murray was like, yes. Like, what about In Vogue? If they we, if we bring all five of the members. And he said, you know, Cindy, Don, Terry, Maxie, and Rona. And they were like, the audience was like, yes. And they showed the picture of them when they reunited for Sylvia Rohn's thing. 
kept looking and going, oh my gosh, this is new edition sitting here in front of me, all of them. And I would love to do that with more groups, John. That would be so much yeah. fun. Wouldn't it be great if we could get all five of the In Vogue members here? Yeah. You know, back in 2019, yeah, In Vogue looks good. Uh, that shot is from 2019 where they did a big benefit in L.A. for Sylvia Rohn. So you have Cindy, Terry, Max, Don, and Rona. We could get in vogue here to do that, you know? That would be nice. Because they've never toured as a quintet. Never like, toured all or record all together and only in separate parts, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I remember Rona. Rona, we did the Jamie Foxx show together. Yes. Rona and I were on the Jamie Foxx show. And Maxine reposted it, and she was like, thank you so much for mentioning us, and uh, friend Gatson posted it. So, I wonder if something in the works with the Sherry show scene. That would actually be no, really cool. So, before it gets canceled, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, she has renewed for two more seasons. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, and and Maxine tagged uh, Invoke Craze and Invoke's official account in the post. Yes, you better tag us because she knows that we are the premiere. <laughs> hey, Max. The premiere hub for all in Vogue news. Hey, Maxine Jones, girl. That would be really cute, though. That would be really cute. I mean, that's a that's a, a quite a departure than from her predecessor Wendy Williams and her shady comments and questions. When was on <laughs> okay. There, so, okay. Um, I hope they do it. I hope they even if that was that would be really fun. Even if we just got an interview or like a. A moment. Yes, just let it be daytime. a fun day. Just let it, don't even think about anything beyond that. Just having a right. good day, a good time on the show. Exactly, exactly. Like the same way they did the, uh, the, the show for Sylvia Rome. Like you can just kind of duplicate that performance and do it on Sherry. Just don't sit Dawn next to Rona. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, on Frank's post, I commented. <laughs> when Frank posted this last night, I commented. And I said, well, we're Rona going to sing of all the originals of that. <laughs> JP! They better do Rocket like do the next show. <laughs> I'm going to go report your comment as spam. Frank, that's what Frank said. He said, well, I like Rockets. I said, okay. Are the new stuff they're working on now? You really did post that. That is so shady, <laughs> JP. <laughs> Like, well, but I, I mean, it was just a question. I was just like, well, what? I mean, what is she gonna say? Because you know, you know, Don, you know, Don and Maxine ain't giving them their parts. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's what they should start. I would think they should start with Rocket or maybe some of the new stuff they're working on because they're actually, you know, working on new stuff. Um, you know, do something new and then I would, you know, have switch it up and then like bring the other two out and they do the nostalgia stuff like I'm just so into what is new like I was you know off you know um off camera if you will I was just talking about how like I'm starting to like season now like it's about what's the next like I can do nostalgia but I really 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 am you know like give me something new like I just want to be excited you yeah. know and I agree I think that I think I never understood the problem with all five of them touring because at the end of the day I just feel like you performed the song that you originated and you know what I'm saying I just feel like let them have their moment and then you know the, the trio can do Soul Flower or Rocket I mean it just makes sense to me like you don't have to like try to put it all together like just let everybody sing what they sound and call it a but day even, but even then when remember when um they did their 20th anniversary tour they performed songs from the EV3 era that Dawn performed with them you know like she performed whatever with them and two months like she performed those songs 
Uh, so it's like, well, it, there, there's a way to do it. You know, so it's like, why can't, you know, uh, Maxine and, and Dawn sing the chorus harmonies on Rocket? Why can't they do that? You know, why not? Or, 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 or Reach For Me. Like, that would be cute to see. Uh, it's, and like I said, it's just, it's just one thing. Like, the same way, you know, you have SWV and Escape doing this one-night-only show. It's just like, it's just a one-night-only show. So... And, get it done girls get it done and then as we'll see like a lot of their concert as the originals it was cover so you know they're not doing songs that they even did originally they're doing someone else's song so if that's the case you can throw in you know whoever you can throw in Shaka Khan Aretha you know hopefully not the same ones they've done you know to death but like you know so I think it could work but you know some people are just difficult and it's interesting that you know people talk about um, you know, like working together, but some people can't even work with themselves. <laughs> and um, that's all I'll say. <laughs> anyway, also in Vogue is set to embark on the Hot Summer Nights tour alongside TLC Shaggy and the and who a gargle. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> who are you talking about? Sean Kingston. Ugh. Oh, you're horrible. You're horrible. Oh, no. You're horrible. I forgot about Sean Kingston entirely. He has some nice little songs. Well, anyway, that tour is on June 1st at the Oak um, Mountain Amphitheater um, in Alabama. So what do you think about this little tour, you guys? Um, I like seeing. I I I, I kind of like Shaggy and King, Sean Kingston, but TLC with In Vogue is a great lineup. If you take away Escape and add SWV to that, I would pay for that show. I'm talking front row. If I could see SWV perform Weekend right here with something to you, and then TLC perform Creep and you know, uh, uh, no scrubs, and then go to invoke, baby, that would be a, that would be a show. Somebody make that happen. Please make that happen. But I like this lineup with TLC and everybody else. I don't. (laughs) Not TLC? I, so I think TLC's lovely. I just, I, no, TLC's great. Not lovely. Not not giving great, beautiful gowns. (laughs) No, I just, it's the rest of the lineup that is throwing me, like, that's, that's what I'm saying, yeah. It's giving no shade because it was well attended and very successful, but it's giving the new kids on the block sort of lineup thing where <laughs> I said it before on a previous episode, the intended audience for this tour and for the last tour is a particular... White people. <laughs> White people love Shaggy yeah. and Sean Kingston and TLC to a degree. And so yeah. I just think this is for them. It's not, it would be a very different lineup if this was if being it was built for to black the urban audiences. Yeah. Yes, yes. I find it really interesting though, because when I saw TLC a few years ago, they were with, it was TLC headlining and they were with All for One and Color Me Bad. And it was just like, wow, who are they? Like, I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, I find it really interesting, though, because TLC and Shaggy, I think they have a very similar audience in a sense. Like, they have that appeal to, like, beyond black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have, like, the kind of, that white audience thing. And so, 
Um, I wonder for them to book these types of tours. I just wonder if it's like, do you have like a urban booking agent and then a pop or mainstream booking agent type of thing? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Matan? Yeah, it'll be interesting to know like who the promoter is. Usually, I, I didn't see Live Nation on the flyer. I didn't really look at it too much. Um, I don't like the lineup. Like I said, like I, I like TLC too. Shaggy, I have no problem with. I don't. I do not like Sean Kingston. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. I hate the way he sings that. Ah, the beautiful guy. Like I hated that song, and that's the only song I really know by him. But like every, like I, to me, it's almost an affront that they're that in vogue is anywhere near him on a bill. I do not know how that happened. Um, like I'm not even gonna get into like um, because I know Shaggy was extremely popular. I remember that record, and they still play him on the radio. It wasn't me. Um, and angel like they like in los angeles anyway i hear that he just plays sebastian and the little mermaid live one on abc well shout out to shaggy mr bombastic like i have no issue with you but like dang you can have got shaba ranks instead of sean kingston like i mean but like shaba ranks. Sean, i mean that's better than sean kingston sean, sean kingston actually has hits in the last you know 10 years you said hits like, plural like, what's the other one besides he's the one got that hits like don't make me research sean kingston i don't even like him that much to be in yeah i don't, <laughs> don't forget sean yeah. kingston but to me but, it just feels like in vogue and this is the thing like it's interesting how you're talking about like um tlc urban versus i guess pop but like to me it's like in vogue artistry versus kind of you know just like the kind of like nostalgia maybe like where it's like if I see Shaka Khan it's not so much because she's a nostalgia act it's because and I don't know why Shaka Khan is on my mind it's probably still that uh <laughs> that interview she did but um it's like I'm not seeing her because of nostalgia I'm seeing her because she's like an actual musical legend and so like Shaggy I have no issues with Shaggy but it's like he's kind of like a cartoon artist like I, I would never take him seriously as an artist whether it be reggae whether it be R&B or whatever it is like he's more so a cartoon and I look in TLC in that vein too like you know I know people love TLC but to me they're just they're you they're look cartoons. at TLC as a cartoon I yeah. do like I remember when Kiss got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like this older um one of my older co-workers was like um you know like he was like they're a cartoon band and that's how I look at all of the other acts and I feel like in Vogue because they have like pop success they can kind of fall into that but there's an artistry there and I wish they would kind of tap into that more and no. I would like now, Matan, how you how do you see artistry and what In Vogue does, but not what TLC has done? That I well, don't, well, what has, okay, I let's don't be understand. honest. Like we could talk about TLC, and then you could talk about who sang what, and you can say, oh wow, T Boss didn't sing on Snow Scrubs. Oh, Chili didn't sing on um, Creep. Oh, they had all these background singers. Oh, they didn't really write this. They didn't write that. So what exactly is their artistry besides doing the Bankhead Bounce? I liked TLC. They were fun. Like I, I like them. Like you talk about people whose records you bought. Like they were fun in the same way that New Kids on the Block is fun. In the same <laughs> Shake way the that table, but Shake the table. Like I loved I'm a Barbie Girl in a Barbie World. Like I love that song. But like they're cartoony. Like they're the actual. When you get to the beyond, you know, just being popular. When you get to the substance of it, like they're not real artists to me. And that goes for oh, three oh. besides in Vogue, like Sean Kingston, Shaggy, like 
and maybe Shaggy, I don't know him inside and out, but TLC, I pretty much do. I know what they're capable of, and it's not what I would consider like a legit artist. Like the Archies, sugar, sugar, ah, oh, honey, honey. Like, I love that. Like, there's a lot of people that were on TV shows, like fictional bands that I feel like are just as talented as TLC when you take away the producers and all that other stuff. So when you just are standing there and singing, what is left? And it's not going to be much. That's well, the craziest you know shit. You, you, you know what? You, you know, you know what, Matan? You enjoy that island that you're on. <laughs> you, you enjoy that island. That is so bizarre. Like, that shit is crazy to me. Like, I, I mean, I don't even feel the need to justify it because I feel like what they've done as a group speaks for itself. But yes. that is wild. That is a wild take. Can I just say, I think that, but again, I think it's about legacy things, right? Like there's choices in legacy. And so I don't think anybody, I would never discredit TLC and what they brought, especially during the 90s into the early 2000s. But it's always interesting to see where people choose to put their energy and for what audience when they become a quote unquote legacy act. Mm. And so like... You know, we, when we compare this bill to like, there was, there was just a tour that came through DC at the Capital One Arena, which was Escape, Monica, Tamar, or it's coming, I think it hasn't come yet, um, and maybe one or two other acts. And that's just a very different lineup than this. And I feel like TLC, it, to me, it cheapens their legacy to be on the same. To, to have Shaggy right below them on the bill. Like, that bothers me. <laughs> like, I feel like they should be doing much more grand things with their legacy, given the impact that they had on culture and the number of sales and, and all the awards they won and all this other kind of stuff. Here, but here's, here's the thing. When it comes to, and I know we gotta move on, I feel like I feel like shows like this, imagine when you put your Apple Music or Spotify on shuffle, right? You literally, especially like nowadays, the people who listen to music now, we're we're so eclectic with our music taste, you know, so where you're, I can listen to Ariana Grande one minute, then I can listen to like Leon Mahalas the next day, then I'm listening to like a old Green Day song, then I'm listening to gospel, then I'm listening to a, a, a Lord of the Rings soundtrack. You know what I mean? I love that. So I feel like I feel like a lot of, a lot of people's playlists are are so eclectic that when you put your thing on shuffle, anything can come up. So I feel like when you look at these type of lineups, it's literally like you're you're attending like a live playlist on shuffle. Because it, and then because even though you know Shaggy might not be the same grand artist as Invoke, but hit the songs that are hits, they still invoke a type of emotion in you. You know where where you were when that song came out. Like you know it wasn't me. I remember that song. I know where I was. I remember what grade I was in. You know I remember that video. I remember you know like so I know these songs and they they invoke a type of emotion, a, a memory for me. And I think it does it for a lot of people. And I also from a from a logistical standpoint i feel like these um these tour managers these 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 uh road managers they look for artists where that where they can justify giving their artists top billing 
I'm willing to bet like the bag for that that type of concert is a lot be- bigger than like what you were talking about, Josh, was the R&B music experience tour that has like Escape and Monica and Tyrese and Tevin Campbell and Tamar and all and all of them. And I'm willing to bet that this kind of because this is more of like that generic type of if you go to this show, it's gonna it's gonna appease it's gonna appease everyone from your granny to your 19 year old kid. You know what I'm saying? It kind of has like that wide range, I think, of um, appeal just because like those artists have such like um such massive songs that crossed over so many genres versus like that other tour so i'm i'm thinking that the money is a lot bigger because i also don't ever see you know in vogue or tlc really doing any of the r&b tours that a lot of the other groups are doing right now like they they tend to be more in that mainstream in vogue does every now and then yeah like every now and then but like but tlc i ain't never seen singers so with the r&b thing you want to see people that sing you don't want to see people that are lip being chili chili is a singer chili is a singer now that is funny moving on (laughs) i mean sounds like t-boss like but it's not t-boss literally sounds like herself so i don't like to me we're gonna save this for the tlc fan cast uh Jervon Francis reached out to us with a very simple question. Do you still like Lufa despite what happened between him and the girls? Yeah. I mean, Lufa ain't did nothing to me. Okay. And to be fair, there's so many shady stories about Luther outside of even in Vogue. Like, I kind of love that that's part of his legacy is how ridiculous he was. (laughs) When it, when, it, when it becomes a part of your brand, you're like, oh, whatever Shane Luther story, it becomes more like coffee table talk than a reason for me not to like his legacy. Have y'all so. seen that clip of him and that Oprah interview where he's like showing Oprah all of his like uh, f- uh, formal dining wear and stuff? And it's it's hilarious. Like Luther was a key. So, yeah. yeah I mean, we Luther's a legend, uh, you know, so he comes from a different time. So I give him Aretha. Like I hear a lot of stories about her. You know, like, I mean, it's just the expectations were different. And um, maybe he expected a lot. I don't know. But I'm just going to give him his grace. Like, he, you know, broke barriers in his own way. So, God bless Luther. All right. Let's get into today's discussion.
music makes the people come together. Music has the power to bring people together like nothing else. And there's nothing quite like the experience of attending a live concert. Whether you're a diehard fan of a particular artist or just enjoy the thrill of being part of a crowd, concerts can be an unforgettable experience. Concerts allow people to connect through a shared passion for music and create lasting memories that will stay with them long after the concert. Like Shaggy. The energy (laughs) and excitement of a live concert can be electric as performers and audiences feed off of each other's energy, creating an unforgettable experience. And the Funky Divas Tour was no exception. In Vogue's 1992 Funky Divas Tour was a game-changing moment for R&B and soul music. This tour saw our pioneering girl group take their unique blend of powerhouse vocals, electrifying choreography, and high fashion looks on the road, captivating audiences across North America. The tour was in support of their critically acclaimed sophomore album Funky Divas, which showcased the group's range and versatility and cemented In Vogue's place in the pantheon of great girl groups. The Funky Divas Tour was a visually stunning spectacle featuring the group's signature choreography and glamorous costumes that perfectly complemented their sophisticated sound. The tour was marked by powerful vocal performances from all four members who seamlessly blended their voices to create lush harmonies and emotive leads. Melody Mills of the Oklahoma wrote about Invogue's Funky Divas tour, stating, Invogue gave the audience beautiful singing, flashy costumes, and talented dancing that left no questions as to why they recently won MTV's award for best choreography in a video. The crowd's favorite, giving him something he can feel, brought a roar of approval when one of the lucky men was brought on stage and was showered with seductive moves from the ladies wearing their trademark red slinky evening gowns. Additionally, Terry shared that fans have described their show as being similar to a Broadway musical. She said, it's extremely visual. There are four costume changes and very choreographed. We have five guys dancing with us. The tour also featured a live band, Ooh Live, adding an extra layer of dynamism to In Vogue's already electrifying stage presence. In Vogue's impact on popular music cannot be overstated, and the Funky Divas Tour was a pivotal moment in their group's career. Their innovative approach to R&B and soul paved the way for a new generation of female artists, and their success on the tour proved that they were true trailblazers in the industry. With their unparalleled musicianship, flawless choreography, and impeccable style, In Vogue remains an inspiration to music lovers everywhere. The appropriately titled Funky Divas Tour commenced in Jacksonville, Florida and spanned eight weeks, culminating in Anaheim, California on October the 11th. This was In Vogue's inaugural headlining tour, supporting acts, Arrested Development, and He Who Shall Not Be Named, each delivered 40 and 30 minute sets, respectively. Eshe of Arrested Development shared her thoughts on the experience of opening for In Vogue. And we got blessed with the opportunity to tour with in Vogue and be their opening act. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of In Vogue. I always have been since the first record. And I was like, what? They going on to what it's all But beyond the ladies like being super professional, beautiful, great energy, just all that, what really, really, really made me love them even more. Remember at the, the early parts of the tour, because we were on tour for three months, um, they were they came and watched our show, right? And so 
they were like after the show i can't remember exactly who asked which which one of the ladies but they said uh hey do you guys have enough room on stage we were like eh, it's a little tight you know because the rest of the moment is a lot of us you know and they were like we're gonna fix that because we know what it's like to be an opening act and not have a lot of room on stage so we're gonna we're gonna get you get y'all straight so the next night and from that point on they moved their complete stage set back on the stage their whole production so that we can have room on the stage and i was like man i love them it was like them being the headline act but they cared about us being the opening act and that just made it even more special for me because i was already a huge fan and I just, oh, I just love the ladies. I used to watch them every night. I know the host. I still know the show. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just the classiness and just the kindness and they were friendly and they were loving. It was just, honestly, that was like one of my favorite tours that we I've ever gone on in my career. And so I just want to shout the ladies out of Invogue. Oh my God, you guys don't know. I was 17 years old how uh, much of an impact you made on me as a young woman, just being so kind and so professional and so classy. And I just love watching your show. Like I watched it literally every night. I would be on the side of the stage, go out in the audience and watch it and just saw how the crowd would react to you guys. And it was just such a beautiful experience because the rest of the album was so different from you guys. And it was like, you know, honestly, you like involved the rest of that one kind of a weird combo. But it worked out because our fans became your fans and your fans became our fans. So it was just a beautiful, just a beautiful thing. Invogue's set lasted 75 minutes and included dynamic backup dancers, a full band, skits, and impressive costume changes. During our interview with renowned choreographer Frank Gatson, he shared that the Funky Divas Tour is his favorite live production from the group. The set list included This Is Your Life, You Don't Have to Worry, Lies, Give It Up, Turn It Loose, Don't Go, Yesterday, then a little skit scat, giving him something he feel, hip hop lover, for your mind, hold on, and my loving, never gonna get it. Since the Funky Divas tour took place a few decades ago, it's unlikely that any of us had the chance to attend it, unless there's a secret time traveler amongst us. I was there. But, as a fetus... <laughs> I was there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm curious if any of you have ever experienced In Vogue Live in concert, either during that era or in more recent times. We know that you have, Matan, but what about the rest of you? Yes, I saw In Vogue at Bush Gardens... <laughs> uh, when did I see them? Two years ago? It was it was fun. I have yet to. I have not. I have. I want to see them on a sh like at a show by themselves. And whenever they come to this area, I feel like I'm either not here or um, they're usually with other folks that I don't want to see. No shade to new kids on the block. <laughs> I feel you though. I feel you. I that was hard for me. Yeah, I haven't seen the ladies live either. I do want to, but same as you, Josh, I feel like the shows that they've done, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to spend, you know, 60% of that night listening to artists that I don't know. A even real care fan about. would see them um, no matter what. Ooh. Can the real fans send me, can the real fans send me some money so I can pay for the ticket? <laughs> okay, cash at me because I would love to see them as a real fan. Uh, but I, I do, I do want to see them, um, 
at some point. Um, hopefully, I'll, maybe I'll go to the Hollywood Bowl. Who knows? I would like to see In Vogue on one of those lineups with like the R and B tour because like when I saw them at Bush Gardens, they were it was just them by themselves. But like. <sighs> You know, it was like Bush Gardens is like a family amusement park. And so it was just very like everyone was seated. And it was like me and this other girl that was sitting in the room in front of me. Like we were ready to get our lives. Like we were ready to turn up. But like everybody else was just sitting down all dignified. So I'm like, well, Lord, maybe I need to sit down, too. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be like the only one that's up and like you know, baby, yeah, you it's a bush garden. You should have did whatever you wanted to do. <laughs> but then I did get to go to the front. I did go to the front when they did like hold on and don't let go. So you no, know, it was a good time. I don't know about the rest of you, but one of the things that I love the most about concerts, or at least attending any form of live entertainment, is the excitement leading up to it. So, like, the planning, the getting to the venue, the feeling, the excitement, and the energy from the other concert goers. So, do you all have, like, any pre-concert rituals or traditions? Gotta get my outfit. I'm picking out my Renaissance Tour outfit as we speak. I am, <laughs> I'm on a liquid diet. Um, oh, really? All that for a show? I mean, I want to look my best for the pictures. <laughs> you know when I post them so yeah I gotta get my renaissance tour ensemble together I think I'm going to see Beyonce twice and the funny thing is I don't even like Beyonce that much but it's just it's just like I feel like this is like a historic moment so I have to be like a part of it like that's that's really weird because I've never seen Beyonce live but I feel like you know like you this, you is, saw Destiny's this is Child live though, right? yes I saw Destiny's Child but I've never seen Beyonce like by, by herself, herself since she's been a solo artist okay. but I feel like this is monumental I feel like this is like something that the people are showing up to so I just gotta be in the number when does it start and when does it get to your town I'm actually going to um, the Chicago show which is in July oh okay I actually I feel like I try to make a day of it if I'm going, you know, somewhere, like I'll make a day, you know, when I had hair, I will give a haircut, you know, I have like a little outfit, you know, then me and my friends would go like to maybe brunch or like a, a early dinner, have drinks and then head to the venue or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like to make a, a, a day of it, you know, kind of leading up to the, the climax, which is the show itself. Yeah. I, um, I also, kind of like to do a little bit of something before like I tend to like I listen to the artist music like the day of for some reason like I want to like be in the like refresh my memory on the lyrics if I'm like not as like super super big of a fan um I also back in the day before the internet was like telling you everything I would also listen to I would go and revisit the music because I kind of wanted to predict what I thought was going to be on a set list or those kinds of things. Like, I like that kind of, like, anticipation. So, did you guys have, like, any expectations or hopes for this Funky Divas tour concert before you listened to it? I My hope was that there would be a lot of songs from Funky Divas. That's what I hoped. And meaning the songs that, of course, weren't the singles. Like, the songs that we don't hear all the time. So, like, Desire... Maybe what is love, you know, um, that was my hope. Now, how did this set list last 75 minutes is what I'm trying to figure out. They, I mean, well, we'll get there. Yeah. I also was like, I don't know. I just, I was expecting and I was rewarded with the live band piece. The live band showed out oh, and yes, I was excited yes. about that. 
I was excited to see what they were wearing. I love the little blue numbers that they were wearing with the, with the little booty, the booty shorts with the uh, the little uh, blazer, satin blazer. I love that look on them. It was so cute. So we're revisiting the last show on the Funky Divas tour. The city is Anaheim, California. I'm not sure of the venue. Do y'all maybe know what venue it was? Probably the Arrowhead Pond. Cool. The Arrowhead Pond, if it was in Anaheim, like back in the day, like if something was in Southern California, like a concert, it was usually the Arrowhead Pond, if it was going to be in Anaheim, and it, if it was going to be in Los Angeles, it was the Universal Amphitheater. And then, of course, like later they built Staples. I mean, the Great Western Forum, I think, would have been before the 90s, because I, for, I forget what happened with the Great Western Forum, but I think it was like big in the 80s and the 70s. And, um, you know, there was no SoFi. Like, people, I think Michael and, like, people like that, they played at, like, maybe the Memorial Coliseum, you know, and, um, like, near USC. But, you know, this is just my my Southern California, you know, um, memory. So I'm assuming if it was in Anaheim, it was the Arrowhead Pond. So one notable aspect of the tour was Invoke's fashion and stage presence. Invoke's signature style of incorporating vintage fashion with modern twists was showcased throughout the show and were as unforgettable as their music and were as daring and and as innovative as their sound. They wore flamboyant costumes and stylish ensembles that complemented their powerful vocals and dance moves. Each member had a distinct style that was cohesive with the group's overall aesthetic. They wore colorful and eclectic outfits that were a mix of 70s disco, 80s pop, and contemporary streetwear. They rocked bodysuits with cut-off legs, leather shorts, body-fitting gowns, oversized jackets, and metallic dresses with bold prints, sequins, and feathers. Their signature style was accentuated by their hair and makeup, which was equally flamboyant and edgy. The costumes added, the high, added to the high energy of the show. Looking at the few images that we have of the concert, what are your thoughts on on their costumes which were your favorites and which were you not so hot on first of all i just want to talk about this very first image they're in these leopard bustiers with the with the fringe bottoms they look with it's the picture where they have their hands up they look so freaking iconic i the only thing is i wish that max had a different hairstyle only because like Cindy is giving like this like uh, pinup girl aesthetic, and then uh, um, Terry has this like pageant girl like big big hair, and then um, Dawn is giving this like very edgy, very um, uh, alluring like model s type of thing, and I feel like uh, the one eye covered. Yeah, it's just, it's just so it's just so ugh, chic. And then I feel like Max's curls, maybe it's the angle, because there are a few of the pictures where her curls look great. But I just, I don't know, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if it goes. I don't know. It's hard. I Other like that, it. They look, they look great, because this picture of Terry is giving me face, face, and more face. But they look freaking amazing. I just want to know, why is there not a DVD or whatever the kids use these days of the tour? Like, why can't we see this in real time? It's, and I also find it very interesting that a lot of artists from that era who were like really huge, they were not touring acts. Like, I mean, they went on tour, but they were not touring like the way I feel like people tour today. You know what I mean? Like, like why don't we have this in Vogue footage? Oh, well, I 
Well, to to your point about the um the touring, I just remember I forget who it was, but they the the way it was explained was that back in the day, people used to tour to support a record. Now people make records to support a tour. So basically, like touring is where the money is because obviously, you know, now nobody's selling records really. I mean, they can pretend like streaming, those little pennies that they're getting is something, but it's not. So, you know, now if you want to make money, you have to tour, you have to do shows. That makes sense because, like, if you think about like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, like they did little tours, but they were not like doing these, you know, worldwide, you know, six month tracks. Like, you know, the only artists I remember from this era that really toured that much, they were it was like Michael and Janet and Madonna. Like they were like the only ones that were really like, we are touring artists. Like this is what we do. We live to put on a big production. So I think it's kind of sad that we can't see this in like HD quality to see what they were giving at their prime, at their peak. But I'm sure someone has some footage somewhere, something professional out there. So please put it on YouTube. Please. It has to be. It has to be. Yes. But the outfits look cute. I mean, it's beautiful gowns, the car wash, little fringe number uh, skirts. <laughs> That's what it was called, a little car wash skirt. Because I remember when Tony Braxton had one back in like '92. Oh, okay. School on me. I didn't know that was the actual name. But um... oh yeah, and my mama had one too. My mama went and got her one. She she knew she was gonna be Tony Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it too, but it. it I mean, I only see one outfit, unless you're counting, like, when you take the jacket off a different outfit, but, like, to me, it's, like, one, and I like it, but, like, there was, they said four costume changes, so. So, there was a. The blue number is cute. Yeah, there's a blue number, then they have the leopard, and then they had the, they wore the red dresses. I'm guessing Uh, the fourth one was, like, the the street. uh, What the fourth outfit was. You know, if there was a performance of Free Your Mind, I think that was from this tour, and they had on like pinstripe. It wasn't they had on pinstripe pants and like a pinstripe, um, like um, I don't want to say tank tops, but that's like what it looked like. Um, you know, they were tanks, but I didn't see like jackets or anything, so I don't know if it was like a part of a suit, and then they took like the jackets off and revealed the pinstripe. But maybe that's the fourth um costume change. But I like I like my artists have like like a four in one like you know you got the jacket take the jacket off as another outfit take the skirt off as another outfit i think that's you know smart and saves on time yeah i mean that, 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 like here they got on these like these these overcoats leopard then it reveals the the bustiers with the fringe and they take the fringe off and it's like the bustiers with these little uh you know broadway chicago-ish type of shorts burlesque type of shorts now now, wait a minute. Was this tour before or after the Luther tour? Before. It's Funky Divas, 1992. Luther, I think, I want to say was 94. Oh, okay. Or 93. End of 93, going into 94. Because when I look at these outfits, I mean, they're cute or whatever, but I don't see why Luther had, like, he didn't... <laughs> he, he couldn't want... The, he didn't want them to be, uh, to be wearing certain colors, but, you know, on their own tour, I don't feel like these colors were, like, show-stopping. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like they were in silver metallics and and gold and diamonds and Swarovski crystals, you know? <laughs> Which I would actually like. Like, I don't ever think I've seen, and maybe it's because of the Supremes, but, like, in Vogue and, like, a lot... Of course, we know the silver dresses from Never Gonna Get It, but, like, as far as gowns, like, you know, the kind of gowns that just sparkle, like, when any type of light just bounces off of it, it's just sparkling. Maybe they stayed away... To- 
away from that because of the Supremes, but I would love to see them like, you know, present it like that. But I, I, I do like this. I think it's very funky. It's very, you know, like when you think of still today, like I feel like somebody could wear this. Like, I don't know who it would be, um, who would be able to fit into this that I can think of that's a singer now, maybe Taylor Swift, but no, um, I'm just thinking, like, I'm just saying, I feel like somebody could still wear this, like, the bustiers, definitely, now, and it still be hot. But I'm trying, I can't the, think the, of any- um, So, the, the, the costume from the pinstripe, the black pinstripe, that's in the, the Free Your Mind clip, is, I think that's, like, really current. Like, people will wear that uh-huh. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. also, they went the hell off on that, in that performance. Anyway. Yes, they did. Ugh, it's so, it's yeah, they're great. It's it's one it's one uh, part. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to it, but I, it's what it's to give it up and turn it loose. Uh, clip. It's right when Max starts singing the first verse, and the girls are walking to their spots, but they're doing that like that like really like sexy sultry like Broadway walk with the hands behind and their hands front. I'm like I was like ugh it just, it just gave me what I needed because it's like you don't get that type of stage presence you don't get that type of sex appeal from girl groups nowadays it's, it's very much like you know I, I feel like Destiny's Child and even Beyonce General kind of changed the game with like female performances you know it's very like in your face and like posy, but like this burlesque type of type of stage presence, you don't get that a lot. Um, so I really appreciate in vogue for this. And then of course, like Frank Gasson and like his team for like bringing that to them because it just, it just works mm-hmm. it so freaking well. So how do you guys think in vogue's unique in vogue fashion choice to doing their funky divas tour influenced fashion and style in the 90s if it did at all i definitely think it did like you have to remember um we have to put into context just like 1992 and just how you're talking about like you know female artists now well let's look at the female artists who were kind of before in vogue um our contemporary to in vogue and that you know would have been on a big tour so you have of course, Janet, who prior to, I think the Janet album was very conservative. If you see clips of her at the Rhythm Nation tour, it's, you know, the black tights and um, that, you know, that kind of large white shirt. There's the, of course, the Rhythm Nation outfit. Then you have Madonna, who was very theatrical, of course. So she had a bustier with the comb bras that I would just like to say that was not John Paul Gaultier. That was a black woman named Pamela Dean, who has not been given her credit. But Pamela Dean, shout out to you. But Madonna was just, you know, ex- you know, extremely theatrical with hers. And then, of course, I'm sure probably Sade toured. Um, and you have Anita Baker and like the, you know, the people in like the long kind of gowns that I was just talking about. Where in Vogue, they kind of brought... It, us to the 90s I feel like and so um just Beyonce and Solange were at this tour so they saw that so you know they're definitely were influenced by In Vogue they've talked about it you have Janet who you know the next tour she's getting sexier and I think she um I can't say who brought out a guy out of the audience first um but I think she didn't do that. The Rhythm Nation tour. And not to say that In Vogue was the first person to do it. But I'm sure she was influenced by this tour in some ways. Because like they kind of brought kind of a sexiness. 
um, and a hipness to R&B that before, like, as far as groups, like it was, you know, the Pointer Sisters and they were very kind of more so Las Vegas and Vogue kind of, you know, slicked it out, you know, pull in that waist a little bit, you know, um, there's busts, there's hips, there's legs. It's not all this frilly 80s stuff. So, um, then, you know, after them, you know, you have TLC and TLC uh, was definitely influenced in, to a certain extent, at least with working with Matthew Ralston. And so, you know, them and TLC in 1992, they're all day glow and baggy clothes and condoms and glow in the dark. And then Crazy Sexy Cool, of course, they wanted to kind of sneak it out. And I know not in the same way that Invogue did, but they were definitely very influenced by, you know, the makeup and, you know, all of that. So... I see the influence. Well, we have three video pieces from the concert. Free Your Mind, Give It Up, Turn It Loose, and a snippet of My Love In. As I watched these performances, I couldn't help but be struck by the stage and the set design, which perfectly complemented Invoke's energy and style. So every element of the concert seemed pretty perfectly crafted to create a really unforgettable experience. So with that in mind, I want to ask, how important is lighting and visual design to you when you attend concerts? Do you think it enhances the performance and overall experience, or do you find it distracting? Let me let me go first because I have a because it it, it uh, connects to this show that I'm watching on Netflix or that I was watching on Netflix is called Dance 100. Pretty much show for for dancers where it's like you you have eight choreographers um, and they they are every week they have to choreograph a dance piece for um, 100 dancers. Well, it starts off at seven and every week the the amount of dancers they have gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you get to the final two and they have to. A choreographer dancer with 50 people. Anyway, I reference that because whoever is in the visual department and the lighting department, they were so adamant about using this red lighting on all the performances. And I'm like, it washed everything out. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't see faces. It was hard to see the movies because everything was like so washed out and blended together that it was hard to see. And and it made me realize it how if I never even noticed it before, but it made me realize how important lighting is in these dark you know venues when you're watching a concert because you if, if you're in the back or even if you're recording like you won't see a lot of stuff because even with like camera angles it can be it can seem kind of flat you know from whatever angle you're watching so like lighting it it adds a depth to it 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 you know it adds a a, a certain level uh, of vision uh, to the visuals that like okay this outfit looks different lit blue then it does lit purple or you know if we want to give uh you know them this type of silhouette we should do it you know with white lights instead of like you or let's do so it, it enhances the it enhances the mood of the moment for sure and that show really brought it home for me when I'm like why am I not enjoying this performance it's like oh cause it's this red lighting that's ugly you know so it definitely you know uh, enhances the performance the performance for me even when the band is placed I'm like you know get I, for me I don't I feel like I don't mind seeing a band but they gotta be they gotta be like off you know what I mean cause it, it takes me out of the thing you know like if you have like I think I was watching um 
the Desi's Child their farewell concert in Atlanta. And, I, and you know, seeing them in these like you know very very put together out costumes, and then they you cut to uh, a, a freaking band member who's in jeans and like an athletic shirt with uh, with a cap to the back. I'm like, Ugh, what's happening? Of course, when Beyonce got a got a girl, a female band, they were they were dressed as well. But you know, so, so there certain certain aesthetic things it takes you out of the moment or it it brings you into it more. Yeah, I agree. I think the lighting, I, the lighting was uh, like a choice. I don't really know about that, but I will say, based especially based off the sketches that are um, that we've seen, I love the like theatrical part of the like curvature of those like archways with the curtains like draping down, even the curvature of the like different levels, like around the surround the steps. It's just kind of feminine to me. Uh, so I think it really suits them in that way. Yes. Um, I think like the idea, sometimes the idea doesn't always transition to execution. And so the band piece, I never really thought about that, but the band is kind of right there. And I don't feel like the way that it's like drawn in the sketch matches the way that it ended up being specifically with the placement and the, like the blocking of the of the band um but i i really do love like the, it's kind of classic the sort of archways and and drapery piece so i love that part yeah i mean i think this set was cute i mean it was kind of basic it was just kind of it's interesting looking at this set design and then like i saw clips from taylor swift's concert and the stage is levitating and she's jumping in the way it's like it's like concerts now feel very like tech they rely a lot a lot on technology like graphics and and things like that versus back then it just seems like you had a little something but you're really relying on your talent you know you're really relying on like you know, just really being an entertainer to get the audience moving versus I got to have a PowerPoint in the background or I got to have, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I got to have 3D graphics and hieroglyphics and all of that stuff going on. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I thought it was cute. It was, it reminded, um, Beyonce's first tour, I saw um a clip of that recently. Um, I think the, it was the Beyonce experience and it was kind of similar in that it was just really a bare stage and some steps and a band. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a whole bunch of like extra accoutrements right. spread out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also would say this, I would say this mock-up of like the set design, I would love to like have it as a picture hanging up somewhere because it's just a cute picture. So the Funky Divas tour also featured memorable performances of the group's hit singles, including crowd favorites like My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, and Giving Him Something He Can Feel. From the raucous cheers and applause of the audience, it's clear that these songs were a highlight of the show. What did you think of the set list? Were there any songs you wish had been added? And do you think that it's, or do you think that it's fine? Exactly desire! Desire, 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 desire. Like that is the one song that I would just love to hear them do live. And I think um, maybe the way it was set up, because giving them something he can feel was kind of more so like, kind of its own skit. It was more so comedic than them really trying to be sensual, it seemed like. That's the way it came off to me. So I can see them not wanting to transition from desire into um, <clears throat> giving them something he can feel. But maybe that don't let, um, not don't let go, don't go. Maybe that would have been a good place to put it before or after. I would have really had just loved to hear that one, them do that one live. 
I wonder if they didn't do it because it was like dance hall. Like back then, I remember listening to Funky Divas okay, like back been, in the yeah. day and hearing Desire and thinking, oh, this is so not the usual vibe for like a girl group, you know, like a R&B or pop group. It was very like left field. So I wonder, is that why they didn't perform it? Because they didn't think it would like connect, you know, with the audience or whatever. I would just say that that um, the old school medley, which now see, I I forget at what point I realized I had been doing like the old school medley for years and years and years and years because, um, you know, seeing the performance on the Soul Train Awards, I thought that was like very special, you know, like, oh, we're going to put this together. But I didn't realize it had been a part of their act. I don't know if they did that, like, you know, and when they first came out for the Born to Sing tour and when they were with Hammer and all that stuff. But like those, you know, they picked the most karaoke songs. And just to get to my point, like, right, like Desire is kind of built around Love Hangover. So had they done, you know, like Desire and then really kind of pushed the rhythm section and transition into Love Hangover and then did the Funky Divas medley? Because Interestingly enough, they didn't. I don't think they acknowledged the Supremes or Diana Ross, um, which maybe that's why I've heard, you know, that Diana didn't like them. That's true, though. That's true. I I, th- I wish they had done that too, Matan. Like even the way that they like they've been doing Runaway Love and mashing it up with uh, that's the way love goes. Like that's how you kind of bring in a cover. I just don't. It just was like. Am I at the right? Am I at the talent show? That's how a lot of like the old school melody kind of comes across as a talent show a lot of times because you pick the most, you know, the ones that they always play on the radio. Like if you do Aretha, you know, maybe do well. I don't want to say Still Riders Run Deep, um, Bridge Over Trouble Water because that's a cover too. But maybe I don't know. Just um, Rock Steady because Don did it. You know, you do Shaka Khan, do what you're gonna do for me. But they pick like the ones that's like it's always on the radio, so it comes across as karaoke. So um, I would have definitely liked Desire. I think that's the main song from Funky Divas. I would love to hear live. What is love too, but not as much as Desire. Overall, how would you describe the energy of the audience? That's what overall how would we describe the energy of the audience, champ? Um, I thought it was great. They seemed to be into it they the were whole hype. time. Um, <clears throat> the Don't Go performance, like, well, all of it really, because, you know, like, the the hits came towards the end of the show. So the audience was giving, you know, rupturous applause, even on the parts that I said I didn't really care for, which was the old school medley. And maybe it's just because, you know, they did it to death. But at that point, maybe it was still new. Um, but like, don't go like that was from the previous album and it wasn't, I mean, it was big on R&B radio, but it wasn't big on pop radio. And of course, Terry sang the hell out of it. So maybe that's why, but the audience seems to be engaged the whole time through all of the skits through, you know, the songs from the previous album, from the covers. They really, I forgot what song, I think it was Free Your Mind. Uh, I think it was, uh, the dance break or something like that. But yeah, they, they was going in. Do you guys think that Invoke's Funky Divas tour significantly impacted their success and influence in the music industry? I don't. Because, I mean, I feel like it was, to what Matan said, like, they toured, I guess back at that time, a lot of artists would tour to promote a record, but um, I don't think this tour would have impacted the success of the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, like, there are certain tours you hear about that are just monumental and groundbreaking and 
you know, I think they just didn't really cement themselves as a touring act at that time for whatever the reason was. I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't think this tour did anything to really impact how well the album did or kind of who they were in the industry at that time. I mean, yeah, I think I agree. I think like we don't hear about this in the sort of greater list of the iconic tours or, or something from artists, but yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about this and I don't know if this, I mean, our show was fabulous. Yeah. But I think part of it is like, I don't know. I have, to, I wish we had a full, a full, full video of the, uh, of the, the actual show, just because the one thing I worry, I wonder about is how, like exactly how choreographed it was, because when I think about, shows there's like audience interaction there's like kind of a a grittiness or like a organic kind of relationship between the audience and the artist and knowing how perfectly choreographed they always appear to be i just wonder if the audience was feeling the connection especially because they were at the you know in in the midst of a lot of success and so i think they get you you can kind of you can see it in the free your mind performance that they sort of let loose a bit but i don't know i just wonder what what would happen if they just ditched choreography and kind of just went like singing down and interacting with the audience i don't know but is it i find it so interesting though because like even if you think about like tlc they're not known for tours. Like, you know, even in the height of Crazy Sexy Cool Cool Being, I just recently revisited that album last night, actually. And I forgot how much I love that album. But like, even in the height of selling 10 million albums, there's not like an iconic Crazy Sexy Cool tour that you can be like, oh yes, I remember when that tour tour came into town. That wasn't the tour that they filmed the the creep the uh, digging on you video. Yeah, that was about the video, but I mean, isn't that the tour? I I thought it was like a mashup of like them uh, filming a music video. I mean, I think they went on tour, but what I'm saying is like you don't think about that tour the way you think about you know the dangerous tour. True, 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 true. You know what I'm saying? Or like the Rhythm Nation tour. Like you know, you don't. It's not giving. What was that Madonna tour? The the Blonde Ambition tour or the Bedtime? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not... That was such a huge era, but for some reason, it was like... It doesn't... It didn't have that same impression. Like, I just find it interesting with a, a lot of Black artists in particular. Like, there are only, like, a handful of artists that have tours that people go, Oh, my God. Like, I remember when that tour came into town and, like, it was monumental. Like, even if you think about Whitney Houston, like, does anyone talk about a Whitney Houston tour? No. Like, Whitney, what diehard Whitney fans do, but, like, the greater pop, like, the greater public doesn't. Like, there's, they just, no. The Funky Divas tour was truly a defining moment for En Vogue. And it's hard not to feel emotional as we reflect on the impact that they've had on the music industry and on us as fans. From their flawless harmonies and intricate choreography, well, not so intricate navigates, unfortunately, to their bold fashion choices and magnetic energy. In bold captured our hearts and left an indelible mark on our memories. As we look back on this iconic tour, it's clear that in Vogue's influence and legacy continue to resonate with us to this day. We love you in Vogue.
All right, so reflecting on the concert, what were some personal highlights and moments that stood out to you? Um, was it maybe the energy of the crowd, the musicianship of the band in vogue or a particular song or something unexpected? Like, did you enjoy it overall? I can go first. Um, I actually really did. I thought my favorite part of it was absolutely the band. I just think that their music sounds so different with a live band. Like... Not different in a bad way, but it just brings life to it in a way that I don't feel with the record. So that was a big, it was really nice to hear it. And it was really nice to hear the band play around and be able to elongate songs, give them intros, play around with outros, transition to the other songs. Like there was just like a playfulness that we don't get on a record and that we don't really get in the shows that they do these days because most of them tend to be like track shows or you know what that kind of thing um so just the live band was a a a really enjoyable part of it for me also they sang down like we know we know they sing but they was they were the energy was there i think there's a different energy when you're in front of a crowd and you're hungry for it like they were at the time so like they were singing down um i really loved the whole segment around don't go it was just really, really fun to watch them play around with that song. And I also thought it was kind of funny that I can't remember who it was, but they said L.A. and not Anaheim. <laughs> and the crowd clearly was like, Anaheim. <laughs> I don't know where they are in relationship to each other. So you got to tell me, Ch- I, uh, champ, I is mean, that Anaheim close is or a, far? Is, a, is a, a little on the edge of L.A., but it's still L.A. <laughs> Maybe Matang has me to the, I don't know, but that that's interesting. Get it? They're like get our name right. We are we're at a high, baby. Um, I will say I agree with you. I feel like uh, you know Tommy and Denny are musicians. They're musicians. Uh, so so I don't I understand like why music they produced would sound better like with a live band. So that live band is always a great touch. And of course, I love, I always love seeing the Free Your Mind dance break. It's just so iconic. Um, and you know, just just seeing the ladies, because we, obviously, you know, we have a different lineup. You know, the ladies are, are of a certain age now, so they probably don't go full out like they used to. So just seeing like this nostalgic, you know, way that they that they are like a full show, a full pro- fully produced show, costume change, the whole nine yards. It's just a great thing to watch because you don't you know you you don't get to see it you know recently anymore. So you know, I really enjoyed it. And what the difference is, it's just such an interesting to see them like in their prime, the way they move and interact versus today. It's like damn. Like it's just such a drastic difference in in the whole situation, which is why I want to see it in HD. Like I I, I can't really I don't like looking at the clips and this flickering and flashing and it's fuzzy and I'm trying to make it out. I don't really enjoy that experience. I'm spoiled. I need to see a HD version. Um. So yeah, I would. I I think they should make it their personal mission to figure out who has some footage that they can um release properly. I will say the um there was a lot of like audience interaction at least with like the like they scripted some of those moments, which is obvious. But like they're kind of like they're kind of funny, and the audience was hearing them be funny, and like there was a whole joke about like. 
who were a, who wears a size 12 shoe and they were like i don't wear no size 12 shoe it was just like there's like a, a playfulness to the moments in between the songs that i thought was kind of cool you don't get that kind of personality it felt like the moments were you know like that that sort of the banter that happens at the beginning of uh give it up turn it loose that's kind of what they were giving in the middle in the in between and that kind of stuff I think is what you want to see from a girl group that feels like sisterly and like they're I don't know I, I appreciated that even the sort of like the pulling the guy from the audience for giving him something he can feel like that was really smart to, to figure out to do that and then um, the audience was clearly like living and, and laughing and enjoying watching that guy on the stage right so those are the moments i also like because you don't get that anywhere else you just and that's the stuff you really don't get that show to show every audience is going to be different and so the anaheim crowd i guess because this was the, the the closer so maybe they were going even harder um because it was the last show or maybe they were exhausted because it was the last show i don't know we'll see so that's a wrap on our discussion of En Vogue's unforgettable Funky Divas tour from 1992. From the group's iconic fashion to their stunning vocal performances, En Vogue truly brought the funk and the diva power to every stage they graced during that tour. We hope you enjoyed listening to our reflections on this classic tour. And listeners, we want to hear from you. Whether you were lucky enough to attend the concert back in 1992 or are planning to listen to it on our Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music Feeds, we want to know what you thought of the show. Did you have any favorite moments or songs from the concert? Did you have any special memories or stories you'd like to share with us? We'd love to hear your thoughts and include your feedback in future episodes. So don't be shy. Reach out to us on social or drop us a line and let's keep the conversation going. So now it's time to shift our focus a bit to our listener letters. Send us your thoughts, questions, and ideas, and we will share them in a future episode. Unless it's too shady, and then we won't. Hey, hoes and fellow fan clubbers, it's A.W., your favorite subscriber and self-proclaimed honorary host. Um, as if I was with you guys and Amanda was with EV6. Now, riddle me this. One little riddle, two little, three little. If I was a song that all the members of In Vogue led in little shows and we were doing an internal versus, what song would I be and who did it best? I do have my biased favorite, but what is yours? Four little riddle, five little, six little, seven little riddle, eight little riddle. And you should know, but no one has to go because we love and appreciate you guys too much. Again, keep up the good work and never disappoint. Hint. He's giving us a hint for his riddle, y'all. He says, hint, D-Girl sung lead on the recorded version. All right. So A.W. is giving us a little a little riddle. So I think the riddle is like who um, it's a song that all the ladies, all six members of In Vogue in different incarnations have sung this song at some point. But what is the song and who do we think sung it best? <sighs> what could the song be? Um... I, I mean, hmm. He says D girl sung lead on the recorded version. <laughs> and he's and he said Amanda was in a group when he sang it too. Don't oh, it be don't let, let go. Who sung it best? Indeed. Yeah. Who be don't let go? Because I feel like every uh who sang it best? Dawn would sing it best. Absolutely yeah, not. I mean, they all sound good singing it because they all can sing. But Dawn sounds the best. <laughs> She's not the best. Yeah, Dawn sounds really... She's the best on that, for sure. We all know that Dawn 
Dawn just has a way of delivering a lead vocal. She just has a way. We have another letter from Jervon Francois. Was it Francis? He says, hey, it's Jervon again. If Evie had to do a versus, what group would you put them against? This is interesting. Um, Josh, what do you think? Um, oh, that's really tough because I think they're all, I think the only group I could have put them against was probably SWV and they've already done a versus. Like, who, cause I would want to put them against, well, no, I, so I was just thinking about girl groups. I guess what, what would be interesting is to put them up against a boy band. Oh, that yes. could be cool. I think boys to men and boys to men would be much, good. They have their careers parallel in a lot of ways, especially like with the with the fan bases that they both have attracted in that era. Like boys to men is another group that I think could fit that kind of universal tour that like we're trying to get everybody from the from the teenager to the grandmama. I think Boys to Men kind of fits into that. So I could only really see them doing it with Boys to Men. Like, I don't see TLC. I think they're two different lanes. I don't really see anything there. That should be the tour. You're right. The The next tour should be Boys to Men and In Vogue. That should be they a, both. A they both are the blueprint for their respective, like, uh, foundational groups. Group, groups. Group, you know, yeah. so I feel like Boys to Men set a standard for... for for bo- for boy bands, they set a standard, you know, for like the new age type of boy band, and so did In Vogue. They set a precedent for for you know In In Vogue, uh, for for girl groups moving forward. So I, I would love to see that versus one hundred percent. Thank you, Javon, for your question. We got to give a big shout out to Carl Sean, one of our awesome Part of Us listeners. Carl, we haven't forgot about those epic emails of yours. They were pretty long, but don't worry. We're going to get around to them soon. We promise. Thanks for keeping up with the show. We appreciate you. So um, next is the Rare Tracks. And this week we have Riddle, the Stargate remix. Released in 2000, produced by Stargate. Um, they made them a name for themselves in the music industry with their catchy beats and innovative sound. In 2000, Stargate was approached to remix In Vogue's Riddle from the group's underrated masterpiece theater album. The remix was a huge success and even made it into a second version of the Riddle music video. The remix showcases Stargate's signature blend of pop, R&B, and electronic music. The duo's remix gave it a fresh modern sound while preserving the original track's essence. What do you think of the remix? And which version version do you prefer? The original or the Stargate remix or the Red Zone remix? I personally like the Red Zone remix. 
I prefer the original. It's just something about that. <laughs> it's just something about that in the original that just gives me what I need. Uh, but the Stargate, but both, both of the remixes are good, like 100%. Uh, but I prefer the original for sure. I actually like the original too. Maybe it's just because it's the thing I've listened to the most. I don't know. But like, the original has like a soft spot in my heart. I think it's. I also think that, like, I love the Stargate remix, but it's also, it sounds very, like, overprotected Britney Spears, like, <laughs> dump, 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 like, that kind of, like, <laughs> um, which was very 2000s, and I think that that makes sense for why they released it and why they tried to do the alternate music video with that mix, because it makes sense, because it was very trendy, that sound, but I just don't think in the long run it's the one that resonates the most with me now. I actually really like the Red Zone remix, so I'd probably rank the first, the original and the Red Zone remix above the Stargate remix, but they're all good. They're all good. I, I, had, a, I had a disdain for the Stargate remix for a while because it was the only version available on YouTube for the longest time, and I used to get so annoyed, like, where is the original at? But I, I, I wonder if it was like some copyright thing that was an issue. I don't know. But but after a while, I started to, to enjoy it a, little, a, lot, a lot better. But it's definitely like the, my least favorite of the three. Let us know what your favorite remix is. I didn't know we were going to be so, like, split on it. I thought we were all going to have a favorite right. version. I right. don't know. I think Riddle could be a good song, but I have some notes. Well, stay tuned, friends, because JP has <laughs> notes, honey. Um, <laughs> he's got a binder full of notes. Um, well, that brings us to the end of this episode, friends. Make sure you stream part of us on Audible. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Um, come check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at InvoCraze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. And we want to quickly remind our dear, 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 dear listeners to send us any InVogue footage that you might have. Audio footage, video footage. We'd love to feature it on our YouTube channel and share it with fans all across the world. So if you have any footage from concerts, interviews, or other special moments, especially if you have clips from the Funky Divas 1992 tour, 1992 tour, please send it our way. We look forward to showcasing your footage on our platforms. All right, friends, until next time. Thank y'all for listening. See you later. This episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of Us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. 
Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders. Your favorite subscriber <laughs> in my head. A self-proclaimed honorary host. This this is always... this. <sighs> Wait, cut, cut this out, Matthew. <laughs> AW writes in a stream of consciousness, so there's like what? no punctuation. This is like, what is happening? Oh, it's a riddle. Okay. Oh, oh, if I was a song, so he's like pretending, okay, oh my God, I feel so, if I was a song that all the members of Invoke sound lead in. Okay, let me say, okay. <clears throat> hey, hosts and fellow fan clubbers.